Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your phone or tablet, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to start a series today called Better Together. Better Together. You are better together than you are alone. Uh, you're better together than you are alone. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse number 5, says this. This is Paul writing, and he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul's talking about the goodness of God, that we preach Christ. We preach him. He's the one. He's the light in the midst of darkness. Verse 7 says, but we have this treasure, exactly what he was talking about, the light in the darkness, the Christ who has been shown in our hearts. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, all that I just said is deposited inside of you. There is a treasure inside of you. There's a treasure in this earthen vessel, this bodily form. There's a treasure on the inside of us. If you're here today and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a treasure on the inside of you. That means this, that the person sitting next to you, if they've accepted Jesus Christ, there's a treasure inside of them. There is a treasure inside of them. The person sitting near you, the person that you shook hands with, the person that you came to church with, the person, hopefully, the same person you're going to leave, come on now, you're going to go home with. There's a treasure on the inside of them. There is a treasure on the inside of them. And so that means that they're important. They're important. There's a treasure on the inside of them. So I want to talk to you today about why it's better together. Why you need connection. And if you get no other truth but this one, get this. You were not created to live life alone. I'm going to try that again. You were not created to live life alone. You were created for connection. There is something about connection. There is something about making sure that you are connected with other believers that God actually created us for connection. He did not create us for isolation. The devil tries to isolate. He tries to seg segregate. He tries to separate in every way possible. He tries to separate us by, by voting blocks. He tries to separate us by, by ethnicities. He tries to separate us by now it's like vaccinated and unvaccinated. Let's just draw a line right down the middle. Everything he can do to divide, he divides. God is the exact opposite. He wants to unite. He wants to bring together. He wants to make sure that in everything we are connected. This is how the church is supposed to operate. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Get this truth. It says this, two are better than one. Man, you got to know that. you got to get that down on the inside of you, that you're not better by yourself. You're not better by yourself. I know that some people just have this mentality. It's just me and the dog, and I'm good. Huh? Because the dog, no matter what you do, just keeps coming back and loving you. Come on now. Now the cat won't, but the dog will. All right? No matter what, the dog just comes back. 
You show up at the door and the dog's like, it's that same guy. I love him. You know what I mean? No matter what. That's just dogs. That's why they're awesome, right? But you weren't created to just live with the dog. God intended you for human companionship, human partnership. Two are better than one. Why? Because chances are at some time in your life, you're going to need somebody to pick you up. And if you fall and you're alone, who's there to pick you up? If you lie down, Ecclesiastes says, who's there to keep you warm? If you're in a fight, come on now, you need somebody who's got your back. You need somebody who's going to be there to help you through the good days and the bad days, the ups and the downs. You were created for connection. Hebrews actually says this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, hold on to the hope, right? Hold on to the hope that God keeps his promises Look for ways to encourage and motiva- motivate each other. And then it says this in verse 25. It says, do not neglect coming together. Do not neglect that. Now, I'm going to say something here that is not political. Are you ready? It is not political. But don't you know that the devil loved it when churches went strictly online? And many churches still are in, in places around the world. Don't you know that the devil loves it when we are not gathering together? Now, I know that, that some people have, for safety reasons and for different things, for health issues, they have gone strictly online. I get that. I support people who do that. I talk to them. We call them. We communicate with them. I understand it, but I also understand it to be temporary. Come on now. That, because why? Because worship on the couch can never replace worship in the sanctuary. It just can't. That's not the way God intended us to live our lives. That's just temporary. At some point, we're commanded to come back together. The early church actually was committed in Acts chapter 4. It was committed to the apostles' teaching, the apostles' doctrine. It was committed to prayer. It was committed to the Lord's Supper, the breaking of the bread. And then it says this in Acts chapter 2. Actually, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they were committed to fellowship. They were committed to it. They met every day house to house. Every day house to house. They were committed to fellowship. Man, we have to be committed to fellowship. And let me just tell you, I want to give you three things over this series, three relationships that you have to have. These are not optional, right? This is not maybe, should I, right? This is absolute. You have to have it. And the reason you have to have it is because there's a danger in isolation, It's dangerous to be isolated. Do you know there's a lady? I want to give you this. There was a lady that did a study. Her name was Dr. Sharon Shalev, and she said this. Here's what happens when people isolate. Here's the symptoms that develop from isolation. Anxiety, stress, depression, hopelessness, anger, irritability, panic attacks, Problems with attention, concentration, and memory, hallucinations, paranoia, poor impulse control, social withdrawal, outbursts of violence, psychosis, fear of death, and suicidal thoughts. Those are the symptoms of people who have been isolated. All of those things happen when you isolate yourself. Listen, why? Because you weren't created for isolation. You were created from the moment you're born. The moment you're born, you need touch. You need touch. You need connection immediately. And listen, 
We're the same way. We never lose that over our lifetime. Yeah, have you ever meet kids who, who, when they meet a friend, it's like, this is my new best friend? They've known each other for, for five minutes. Well, this is my new best friend, right? Oh, is it? Okay, well, great. Listen, we need adults to be like that. We need adults to get to be kids again, where we go, hey, listen, I just met you, but I feel like I've known you forever. You're my friend. Why? Because we have to have relationships in our life, and we have to have three. Let me give you one today, just one today, that you have to have, and that is this. Every person need brothers, needs brothers and sisters. Now, men, you need brothers, not sisters, because some of you single guys are going, where are the sisters at? No, no. <laughs> No, that's not what you need. Men, you need brothers. You have to have them. Ladies, come on now, ladies, you need sisters. Men, you need brothers because there are things that you're experiencing, there are temptations, there are challenges that you're facing that your wives will never understand because they're not a man. There are pressures on you to provide and do different things that nobody, your wife, will never understand. You say, well, pastor, I got my wife. I'm good. It's just me and my wife and the dog. No, no. You need men in your life because your wife can be there. She could support you. She could pray with you. She can have fun with you, and you should have all those things in a marriage. But you need men because only men understand what men go through. Hallelujah. And ladies, you need ladies. Because you already know your husband's clueless. Come on now. You already know. He don't have a clue. Your emotions, your ups and downs, why you just want to start crying for no reason whatsoever. Come on now. He can't get it. Every time you bring him your problems, he just tries to fix them. You need people who, who could, ladies, you need ladies. My wife and I, we, we have a great relationship. We can pray together. We understand a, a lot of the things, a lot of the challenges. We get a lot of that stuff, but not all of it. And she's got ladies in her life. And when she needs somebody to agree with her in prayer, we'll pray together. But then she goes beyond that. And she's got three or four ladies that she'll text and go, hey, listen, I'm going through something. Can you pray with me? Can you pray with me? I have to have that in my life. I have to have brothers. You know, I was leading a connect group one time when we were at the office before we had this building. We were at an office, and I was leading a connect group with young men, and anywhere from 20 to like 28 years old, it's about 8 to 10 guys we would gather, and I asked them one day, I said, how many of you grew up in a home where your father had friends? And all of the men, all of those young men that were with me, not one of them raised their hand. And you know what I said? I said, guys, me too. My dad didn't have any friends. And do you know what? Did you hear that list that I just read? He struggled with anxiety, stress, depression, anger. He struggled with a lot of those things on that list. He didn't have any friends. I don't ever remember a guy coming over. I don't ever remember another couple coming over for dinner. It didn't happen in our house. My dad didn't happen. Now, he went to church, and he saw everybody, and he shook their hand, and he ushered, and, and he was a deacon, and, and, but he didn't have any relationships. And because of it, he struggled so much in his life. Men, you need brothers. Iron sharpens iron. 
Ladies, you need sisters, right? You have to have it. Do you know that in Acts chapter 9, when the apostle Paul, uh, he was called Saul at the time, he was not a Christian. He was threatening to kill Christians. He was actually on his way with letters in his hand to go persecute Christians. And he has this incredible experience on the road to Damascus where he meets Jesus himself and he's instantly converted. And do you know that the men that were with him, these were not Christian men, the men that were with him, they actually took him to a house where he began to pray and he did not eat or drink anything for three days. And while he was at this house praying, God spoke to another man named Ananias. And God said to Ananias, I want you to go down this street, and I want you to go into this house, and I want you to pray for a man named Saul. And Ananias said, God, are you kidding me? This guy's killing Christians. I've heard about him. He's got a reputation. And God said to Ananias, he said, I want you to go because he's a chosen vessel. He's going to be used by me. So Ananias walks into the house. Paul had not met any Christian men. And the first word in Acts chapter 9, he ever hears from another Christian, the first word is brother Saul. Woo, hallelujah. Ananias immediately introduces him as a member of a family. That's how God intended for us to relate to each other. He intended for us to relate to each other as brothers and sisters. The first word he ever heard from another Christian male, brother. Guys, you need brothers. You need brothers. You need men who are on a horizontal level with you. You need men who are going to pick you up. You need men who are going to encourage you. You need men who are going to laugh with you. You need men who are going to cry with you. Come on. You need men in your life. Ladies, you need ladies. Come on now. We cannot live life isolated and alone, right? You have to be connected. Can I give you some ways to connect that you relate to each other? Because I'm not saying it's easy, right? Because people sometimes have issues. Have you noticed that? Anybody have noticed that? Come on, I'll turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking to you right now. No, don't do that. But people have issues, so it's not easy to connect. So I want to give you three ways that you're going to relate to somebody. This is going to help you, all right? Three ways that you're going to relate to each other. The first way that we relate to each other, this is, this is every relationship. But the first way is you have to be willing to let your walls down. You have to. I, I know many men who won't go anywhere without their wife. They just won't go. They're not going to go anywhere by themselves. And the, and the, and the reason is, is because they, they just, they don't want to let their walls down. Their wife is, is their safety net. But listen, guys, you have to let your walls down. Ladies, you have to let your walls down. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to say, okay, I know I need relationships in my life. I know this is necessary. So I'm willing to do something. I'm willing to inconvenience myself. I'm willing to leave the house. And I get, I love staying home. Anybody with me? I mean, anybody like ever get home and go, what are we doing tonight? Nothing. Woo-hoo-hoo. Where are we going? Nowhere. Woo-hoo, yes. It's going to be a great night. Hallelujah. But you can't live life like that, Right? 
You can't live as a family of God like that. You can't have brothers and sisters. You have to be willing to let your walls down and be real and and be transparent. And and you have to be willing to be friends. Because if you want friends, you have to show yourself friendly. Hallelujah. That's what God intended. So we have to let our walls down. The second way we relate to each other is this. You have to develop rhinoceros skin. Because I promise you, people will offend you. <laughs> Can I just promise you that? People are going to say something. They're going to do something. Come on now. If, you've have, if you have friends for longer than just a few months, because <laughs> I know people who go through friends quite, quite easily. But if, you've had, if you're here today, you've got lifelong friends. If you're here today, you've got friends over 10 years. I guarantee you, you had to overcome at some point offense because the devil will make sure that you get offended somehow. You just can't take the bait. Listen, did you hear about the guy who was stranded on the desert island? Come on now. This guy's stranded on a desert island. He's there for years and years and years, and finally he sees this boat coming, and, and there's boats coming to rescue him, and A man in the boat shouts at him, and he says, hey, are you alone? And the man says, yes, I'm alone. I've been here for years by myself. And the person in the boat says, well, why are there three huts behind you? And the man says, well, I live in one and go to church in another. And the guy in the boat says, well, what's the third hut for? And the man says, that's where I used to go to church. (laughs) Come on now, he offended himself. That's a joke you'll get later. Anyway, so I don't know why pastors find that joke very funny, but, but I've seen more people walk out of church doors because of offense. And sometimes it's so trivial and, and little, right? Now, listen, I understand that there's, there's real offense, right? But you can't take the bait. We had a couple leave the church one time. This was 10 years ago. Oh, more than that, we were, in, we were in a theater, and they left the church, and I called them. You know, I didn't see them for a couple weeks, gave them a call, and I said, hey, what happened? I knew the guy, and, and he said, well, my wife said she was in the lobby, and your wife looked at her and then looked away real quick. And so she got offended, and, and we're, we're leaving to find another church. And I talked to Cynthia. I remember talking to Cynthia. I said, baby, this is... this." The woman said, this happened. Now, what? She's like, I never saw her. You see, I I, I was like, I probably had my mind somewhere else. I didn't even think about it. And yet that woman took that as an offense and ended up having them leave the church over it. Listen, the devil, when you get into relationships, you attend a connect group, you begin to serve, you get involved, you volunteer, the devil will do something to get you offended. Don't take the bait. Develop rhinoceros skin. Because if you are thin-skinned, let me tell you, you will get offended really easy because people have issues. (laughs) You're going to sit next to somebody in connect group that talks too much, huh? doesn't think the way you think, huh? doesn't like the same things you like. And watch this, watch this. You're going to find out they didn't vote the way you voted. Oh, my goodness. That's it right there. 
Come on now. And the devil is going to be just getting you to take the bait, and he's going to tell you, you need to get out of here. You need to just stay home. I mean, there's no point. This is too much. Listen, he'll do everything he can to get you offended. Develop rhinoceros skin. Right? And then the third one is this. You have to understand that with the treasure comes dirt. It just comes dirt, right? I said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes and says there's a treasure inside of each one of us. There's a treasure. There's things that you know that I don't know. There's, there's experiences you've had that I haven't had. There's testimonies that are inside of you that aren't inside of me. You've walked through things I haven't walked through. You've got victories that I, I haven't got. I've got victories that you don't have. We all have something to contribute, to add here, right? There's a treasure inside of all of us. But with that treasure also comes dirt. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is teaching, and here's what he says. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. This treasure is hidden in the field. A man finds it, and here's what he does. He finds a treasure, he hides it again, and for joy he goes and buys the whole field. Here's what he got. He got a little bit of treasure and a whole lot of dirt. Did you hear me now? He got a little bit of treasure, but he got a whole lot of dirt. But he was happy to buy the dirt because he knew if he could just get past the dirt that there's a treasure in there. Listen, people aren't perfect. Churches aren't perfect. Huh? The person you're sitting next to isn't perfect. You have to get past the dirt to see the treasure inside of them. Right? That's why it's worth it. That's why you have to go to Connect Group. That's why I said last week, it's not if I go to Connect Group. It's which connect group I go to. That's why there's volunteering. There's, there's serving. That's why you have to get involved on some level because we can't afford to isolate ourselves. Because when we isolate ourselves, the devil just kind of goes, okay, now they're ready. I heard the story, and I'm going to end with this. Pastor Mark, if you'd come. I heard the story of a, a guy who, who kept missing church. He kept missing church, and... and Finally, the pastor knocks on the door, and he comes in, and he sits inside, and he notices that the guy has this roaring fire going, and so they're sitting in chairs right in front of this fire, and as the pastor begins to just sit down and talk to the guy, the pastor goes over to the fire, and he grabs the, the little tongs out, and he, he takes a piece of wood off of the fire and just sets it in the mantle in front of the fire. Just a small piece of wood. And they begin to talk, right? And the pastor doesn't say anything about church. He just talks to them about life. And they're both sitting there watching that wood that was so red hot, watching that heat just begin to diminish. And an hour goes by, and the fire is still raging. But that piece of wood now, you can't even see the heat anymore. It's just black. And the man says to the pastor, as the pastor gets up to leave, Pastor, I got your lesson. I'll be in church next week. Here's what happens when we disconnect. When we disconnect, it's too easy to lose the heat, the flame that's inside of us. Listen, I come to church to connect with people. 
I come to church to worship God. I come to church to to be a part of a family because Psalms chapter 68 verse 6 says this, God sets, God sets, God sets the solitary in families. That's what he does. Listen, if you joined us online, I want to thank you for being a part of our service today. Listen, we love you. You have our, our support, our prayers. I want to ask everybody here today if you would bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute.